Hello and welcome to the Woking Examiner podcast. In this series of podcasts, we interview the councillors, portfolio holders and supporters who are assisting the Lib Dem run Woking Council as we seek to redress the many years of mismanagement committed by previous administrations. I am Peter Graves, councillor for Perford Ward, and over the course of the series, the people I interview disclose the realities that lie behind the decisions they are making as they continue to unravel the complexities of the financial dissonance which we inherited in May 2022. Today I'm with Dale Roberts, finance portfolio holder since May of last year having been elected as councillor for St John's in May of 2021. It's been Dale's role in the last few manic months to try to unravel the council finances by engaging with the officers and other external agencies, and then devise an affordable plan for moving us onto a positive and sustainable footing. It's been his role to set a realistic and affordable medium-term financial strategy. Dale, welcome and congratulations on your new role. Thank you, Peter. It's great to be here and thank you for inviting me. Not a problem. It's good to see you again. So could we start with by, by looking at, uh, at Woking Finances? And so looking back over the last 10 or 15 years, why did councils feel the need to borrow such vast sums of money? Let's start with first principles. Local authorities have three main sources of revenue. Government grants, so money from central government, in either a specific grant to pay for specific individual name services or a general grant, revenue support grant, sometimes called a formula grant. Secondly, business rates. So a tax on business premises, which local authorities collect for central government and they retain some of it, inordinately complex. And then there's council tax, a property tax levied on residential properties. And we're all familiar with that because we all pay it. Yep. Then over the last decade or so, there have been deep cuts to that grant funding. Grants, in fact, including retained business rates, were cut 37% in real terms over wow. the 10 years to 2019 deep cuts. Yep. And at the same time, <clears throat> flexibility was reduced on raising income tax, sorry, on raising income through council tax yep. um, <clears throat> because of changes made in the 2011 Localism Act. That meant that local authorities have been constrained in terms of being able to raise council tax. So inevitably, English councils went on a spending spree looking for investment opportunities to generate the income that they'd lost in government grants. Councils have become increasingly reliant on income from commercial investments ever since. That's interesting. So effectively, a lot of money being taken away from councils They've been restricted in how much they can increase council tax. And so many councils have had to look for other sources of income. I'll get my head around that. But Dale, explain, why did the previous Woking administration feel the need to take such enormous financial risks? Well, the borrowing has been used for regeneration, Shearwater, yeah. for example. But it's grown out of all proportion. Look, there are around 300 borough and district councils in England by size, where something like 230. Right. But we have these enormous levels of debt. We have the highest level of commercial debt relative to our size of any authority. 
And so yeah. this enormous debt and fundamentally investment is all about return and risk. There's always yeah. risk, always greater risk, greater return, less risk, less return. Yes, it's basic economics. None of this is for the faint hearted. None of it is really for small, relatively small borough councils. These projects, because they're regeneration, these projects were justified as low returns because they're delivering social benefits. But they had high risk. Now, low return, high risk. They're enormous projects for a borough of their size. The private sector wouldn't be interested in projects that are high risk and low returns. So the borough took all the risk, even if the projects didn't go completely to plan. And projects like these never, ever go to plan. Mm -hmm. There was no margin uh, <clears throat> for error. And history's shown that there were errors. Cost for the red car park is just one example, 58 million. Wow. It's just astonishing. The borough felt it had the skills to develop, deliver these projects. Honestly, it didn't. Nor did it do enough to acquire those skills, capacity, capabilities. As an example, an external advisor recently commented that they would have expected that there'd be a commercial financial role. And that just doesn't exist today in either our subsidiary company or in the borough. Mm -hmm. you know, at this level, we just don't have the people, the structures, the skills, the capacity, the capability to be doing what we've done. So we became this enormous bank and property management without the resources to do it well. That's really helpful, Dale, because what I hadn't appreciated was that Woking actually sits as quite a small borough out of the 300 councils with 230, but we've got this massive debt of 2.4 billion, which even to my mind is overwhelming. But can you explain exactly who is lending to who within this picture? It's a, it's a great question, Peter. It's one of just one of the things that makes the financial picture more complicated than perhaps it should be. So the borough, the council, are borrowing yeah. from someone called the Public Works Loan Board, effectively the government. Right. And then the vast bulk of that borrowing is then lent to two subsidiary companies owned by the council, Thamesway, the first right. one, and then Victoria Square Woking Limited. The borough, in that case, is then effectively acting as a banker with those two subsidiary companies. I think that's made it much clearer. So but to make it absolutely crystal clear for our listener, we've got a situation where a small borough council is effectively acting as a bank without the skills or capacity to do so. It doesn't really sit that well with me, but perhaps you can explain what that bank has been using the money to build. What have we got out of it, as it were? The big ticket items are that that most people will know about it are Shearwater. Shearwater has been built through the Thamesway business. Yeah. Now, not all Shearwater, but we're something like £800 million into Thamesway. And then, secondly, Victoria Square. So the towers in the town centre, standing at something like 700 million, plus it needs working capital, closer to 750 million. 50 million, yeah. Mm -hmm. The council isn't just a bank, it has purchased assets for itself over the years. So the borough owns Export House, the former BAT building, Morris House, Duke's Court, Victoria Gate, Midas House, Albion House, opposite the station and, and many other assets. But mm -hmm. as I say, the big 
the really big items are Thames Way, Victoria Square. That That's fascinating, Del, because we can get my head around how we've got these assets. We've got some fantastic assets in Shearwater. We've got Victoria Square towers in the town centre. We've got some quite Im- impressive buildings in the centre of Woking as well. But <clears throat> what I need to understand, and perhaps you could explain this for our listeners, what was the actual plan for paying back the debt to the Public Works Loan Board? And where would it come from? Because these two projects, particularly uh, Victoria Square and Shearwater, are regeneration schemes, the benefits are social, housing, regeneration. they're not financial. So the business cases had these underlying assumptions that we could continue to borrow from Public Work Loan Board when these projects didn't deliver cash or profit for many years. The other assumption was always that the project costs were backloaded. They would ultimately be covered. They'd ultimately deliver a return when the project reached the end of their life. 50, perhaps 60 years' time for Victoria Square or as and when the housing in Shearwater has been sold and or been let where they're for rental. So the challenge with that is that loans have consequences. Yeah. The consequences of loans, as we all know, are repayments, interest and capital. That's got to be paid every year. Yeah. The council have to pay, as we know from the EY report, the council have to pay 60 million a year for loan repayments. And just to put that into perspective, our total spend as a borough on all the services we provide outside of housing is 40 million. Whoa. We pay for all that we do, 40 million. Our interest, our loan repayments are 60 million a year. So as I understand it, we've got to, we have a total spend on services of about 40 million pounds. But then on top of that, we're paying 60 million pounds in loan repayments. That really does, that really does worry me. I'm sure our listeners would also be concerned about that. But currently, what are our debts? Are we in the black or are we in the red? How does it actually stand there? Yeah, that's, that's a question that's not easy to answer, but I'll try. And so think about the debt. A debt stands out in terms of existing committed debt, 2.4 billion. And the independent financial review, the EY report I mentioned earlier, without making this too party political, we, the Lib Dems, secured that through an opposition motion. And you know that report came out of work that we did in opposition. Anyway, that report suggested the net asset position was 142 million. Add it all up. Not that you could ever do this, by the way. Sell it all off and you end up with 142 million. You'll hear this talked about a lot. However, we absolutely should not rely on that. The EY report was an analysis of valuations provided by the previous administration. They didn't validate those valuations. Of course, they can change. They change all the time. Nor Nor did they validate the basis of those valuations. So just for example, the new auditors, Menzies, they made this discovery recently, back in our 2020 accounts, that there was an overstatement, profits by 14 million, and turnover by 30 million in a single year's Thamesway account. We should, and we are, doing a lot more work on this. More significantly is Victoria Square. This is Victoria Square. The time of that EY valuation was valued at its cost. 
whatever we pay to build it, that is what its value was. Let's say 700 million. Right and proper to, to value it that way. But once it becomes operational, that's not how you value an asset like that. You value an asset like that based on its potential income over a period of time. Yeah. And I think it, I think we'd all understand that commercial income has changed dramatically since the point at which the Victoria Square project was conceived and where we are today. That valuation, hundreds of millions, it really needs to be challenged. And in any case, ultimately, the value of an asset such as this is only real when it changes hands, when someone buys or sells it. So, But it could be entirely unrealistic, unrealistic to assume that in the current market, it could be sold at its cost. It's hypothetical, but all valuations are, and the difference could be hugely significant. I think that's the real point. That that I think the point I'm trying to make here, Peter, is that that, that net asset position of 142 million, way for thin in itself, right? 2.4 yeah. billion of debt be examined more closely and can't be considered in any way uh, robust. So um, the obvious question really is, where are we getting the money from to repay those loans? Over to you, Dale. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that, The money to repay those loans needs to come from the council-owned companies, from Victoria Square and, and Thamesway. Yeah. These companies today aren't generating the cash to repay those loans. The business plan plans suggest they will do over time, certainly after 50 years, but that leaves the question about how those loans are repaid this year, next year indeed, for the next 49 years. Those companies are repaying existing borrowing with new borrowing. So these companies, the Thamesway Group and Victoria Square Woking Limited, Dell, are repaying existing borrowing with new borrowing, as I understand it. But what exactly are the repayment terms for the borrowing? Well, so far, most of the loans from the Public Works Loan Board to the council are at pretty low rates, 2% over a mm -hmm. period of 50 years, somewhere around 2%. However, and we've talked about this, because the business plans require new loans to pay old loans, we have to pay the prevailing rate for oh, any of those new loans. As interest rates go up, and we've seen them do so dramatically, the costs go up. And so this is this is interest rate risk. Now, and we've as a new administration, we've done a lot of work on explaining all of this to councillors. And I think in a way that it hadn't been done before being a little bit more transparent than perhaps had been the case in the past is that a fair assessment that's right we're certainly going out of our way to make sure everyone understands the implications of where we are and any decisions we need to make because councillors members they're representing residents so right it's right and proper that they understand all of this. And as I say, in a way that I don't think has been done before, or certainly clearly enough before. So, Dell, in the current situation, how difficult has it been for you to set an affordable budget? Candidly, Peter, it's a precarious situation. There are a number of problems. The first is the council's dependence on commercial income. Um, 
the um, the assumption was, I believe, that the market would simply come back post COVID. Um, the the borough was so dependent on commercial income that it wasn't willing to face up to the reality that it's changed. It's never coming back, at least not mm. to the way it was. The pandemic accelerated two fundamental changes. Firstly, hybrid working that impacts the office rental market. And then secondly, online shopping. We all know this, don't we? So this huge move uh, that was already happening, accelerated by um, the pandemic that changed, fundamentally changed the purpose of a town centre, which is no longer, a, predominantly, no longer a retail destination. Now, over time, we can reconfigure office space and the town centre. But that's a major undertaking. It's many, many projects. It'll take many years. And for now, we simply have less commercial income until we get this right, less commercial income uh, as a council. And there's a bigger problem that we need to fix both, and that's the scale of the borrowing. The subsidiary companies aren't generating cash, as we've discussed. The council should be making some provision for the repayments uh, for those long-term loans, putting aside money. Uh, and it's not putting enough aside. Uh, currently, we're putting aside something like six million. Right. Prudent view, fairly common prudent view, is that we should set aside 2% of the borrowing. Effectively, if it's asset-backed, um, it suggests that you're assuming you're writing down the asset over 50 years, so 2%. That will be 30 million on the 1.5 billion we've lent to Thamesway and to Victoria Square. Now, I'm not suggesting that's the only prudent view. Prudent is a judgment. But as we engage with the government and the government appointed review board, we're going to likely be required to take a more prudent position than we have done previously. Mm -hmm. Somewhere between where we are today, as I said, a small number of millions, to perhaps tens of millions. Remember, our total spend on services, excluding housing, is around 40 million. We, we only retain 10 million of the council tax that we collect. Other commercial income covers the balance and is dwindling. And we may be required to put aside this enormous sum to be determined now that we're engaged with the government, who quite rightly have raised concerns over the scale of the debt. Thank you, Dale, for that fascinating insight into the history of working finances. It is great to see that these matters are being exposed to councillors and residents who for, for too long have been kept in the dark. I'm sure that listeners found it as revealing as I did, and it concerns me that we seem to have overstretched ourselves so much to the point where we have a council tax income of about £10 million, but at the same time, have loan repayment commitments of £60 million per annum. And that's for the next 50 years. It does seem that some unacceptably rash decisions were made and that there was a frightening lack of preparation and scrutiny. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Working Examiner podcast. We look forward to joining us again next time. <music>